Hi, I'm Keith Law, and welcome to episode 10 of The Keith Law Show. I will be joined in a few moments by Daryl Andrews, a board game designer and big Toronto Blue Jays fan. First, I just want to thank everybody who bought and uh, or borrowed from the library or otherwise got a hold of my book, The Inside Game, which was officially released on Tuesday, April 21st. The reviews and the feedback I've gotten have all been really, really positive. I'm extremely grateful, especially I know we're at a weird time. People aren't able to go out to bookstores. So many people still seem to have gone out of their way to buy this book. Especially appreciate those of you who chose to do so through independent bookstores, which really need our help to survive this shutdown. I have also sent a lot of people who've asked if you want to buy the book online, bookshop.org is a great way to support independent bookstores. If you don't have one in particular you're buying from, they uh, are donating the I think they're close to a million dollars now in their fund to help support independent bookstores as they try to survive this economic shutdown. And I know they really appreciate it. I've heard from multiple stores who say this all these sales, not just of my book, obviously, are really helping. Do also want to thank Politics and Prose, which hosted myself and Sean Doolittle. We did an hour plus talk on Friday night for people who'd bought the book ahead of time. Uh, there were over 150 of you in there, so that's apparently a lot of books sold. And I I think I also speak for Sean as well. We really appreciate everyone who did that. I know I had a blast doing the talk. It will eventually be posted on YouTube as well. So please keep an eye out for that. You can still buy the book, bookshop.org, Amazon, any local bookstore you know of that is doing mail order or some stores are still doing curbside sales. For example, I believe Changing Hands in Phoenix, Arizona is doing that. I uh, greatly appreciate everybody who purchased. And like I said, if you can... Uh, have an independent if you do have an independent bookstore to support i know they really appreciate it as well now it's my pleasure to be joined by daryl andrews who's a board game designer he actually designed one of my all-time favorite games called sagrada which was also recently turned into a pretty tremendous app uh, available on i think on all platforms now by direwolf digital it's also the designer of a couple of really interesting upcoming games as well which we'll talk about we'll talk a little baseball too so daryl first of all thanks for joining me Ah, thanks for having me. It's a real honor. So you are a Blue Jays fan. I am born and bred. Tell me about your fandom and sort of how, you know, what are your earliest memories of being a Blue Jays fan? I don't know exactly how far back you go. I think you're maybe about the same age as the team. Yeah, um, it's funny. I I grew up born and raised in Toronto and uh, became a baseball fan right from the get-go. I moved actually to London, Ontario, which is halfway between Toronto and Detroit, and they mm-hmm. had the double A uh, Tigers. So there was a little bit of a mixed emotion or uh, pulled allegiance mm-hmm. also to the Tigers a bit. So I have a bit of a soft spot for them as well. But um, I grew up, you know, childhood memories, playing ball in like the mid and late 80s, growing up playing ball, and uh, even my first dog I got. I named Sparky after Sparky Anderson, and uh, I think my one of my early first games that I remember is actually the last game at Exhibition Stadium uh, in '89. Mm-hmm. So that that kind of is where my love for baseball started, and I was kind of in that perfect spot to fall in love with the Jays for the '92 and '93 World Series. Uh, you got me beat. I actually never made it to Exhibition Stadium. I think my first game was ninety. 90- six or 97 at skydome who's still skydome back then yeah and then obviously worked there for a while um well afterwards when it became the rogers center too while i was still there so who were some of your favorite players uh 
from those early Jays. Obviously, those Jays teams were good. We don't remember them as well, I think, as the 92-93 teams for obvious reasons, especially not down here in the United States. But like 85 to 89, they were great. They were great. I mean, my my all-time favorite player was Devon White. Mm. And that was, yep. uh, you know, the glory years of World Series and just uh, watching, you know, just like a hardworking, no-nonsense, like never-complained kind of guy. And I think that Toronto fans in general, just we lean towards kind of those grinders and hard workers. Um, and so, like, Devo is probably my all-time favorite. But back in the day, I mean, I used to be a big, like, Ernie Witt fan, Fred McGriff, um, people like Tony Fernandez, uh, favorite pitcher back in the day with Jimmy Key. Uh, there was some some really great ball players back then. Yeah, I would I would always get a kick when I would see Ernie Witt because I had so many. When he worked for the Jays when I was there, and uh, I I mean I would not say this, but it's like I had like ten year baseball cards, man. Like this is so <laughs> weird for you to just be like, oh, hey, Keith. Right? I mean, he was just what I don't know what it was. Maybe he had some side deal with them and they would just print extras of his, but I had a lot of Ernie Witt cards. I ran to McGriff a couple of years ago. I've seen him a few times out scouting, but the most I talked to him, we were seeing a player in high school named Drew Mendoza who ended up going to college and is in the national system now. And we just started chatting, and it was the first of all, the man looked like he could have gone out and played. Like he's his body looks like he's 30, which is incredible. Right. Um, right. And annoying also. <laughs> and also just, again, same thing to talk to him. And like, he's great. He's so nice. And I, the whole time I'm like talking to Fred McGriff, like yeah. F- Fred McGriff, what that, what is my life right now that I'm just like hanging out, talking to Fred McGriff at a baseball game. And this is work. This is actually what Absolutely. I get paid to do. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. I mean, it's, it's pretty fun to like run into heroes, but also just get to talk like one-on-one. I, I actually had, a pretty cool opportunity uh, where I got picked as Canada's biggest baseball fan during the World Baseball yeah. Classic mm-hmm. and was sent down to New York to represent Canada. And while part of that I got to chat with, I remember on my birthday chatting with Cal Ripken and just like blowing my mind, just being like, I'm just standing here chatting with Cal Ripken. Oh, wow. I had him on when I guest hosted the uh, old, the ESPN podcast. I would occasionally guest host when Buster o- Buster Only Show when he would yeah. take a vacation. I would jump in and got Cal Ripken on to talk about the Under Armour baseball game that they do, but also just wanted to talk to him about the great facility he's got in Aberdeen, Maryland, and what he do- did with Ripken baseball. And he was one of the best guests I've ever had on a podcast. I mean, he's Cal Ripken, right? He could just put a stamp on it and mail it in and and Uh, nobody would say anything, right? You're Cal Ripken. And he was not just gracious, but like an engaged guest, really wanted to talk about the players, the Under Armour game, loved to talk about that. I don't know if you've seen that facility on in Aberdeen. It's right off I-95. It's one of my favorite minor league stadiums. Like just to have him come on and show that enthusiasm. I mean, those are people who are just like he'll be in the game till he dies, right? He's just born into born to love baseball and will always be like that. And just speaking as a host too, just always makes my life easier when somebody's super enthusiastic like he was the entire time, which was just so nice to see. It's like, dude, you're Cal Ripken. You don't have to be like this, but you are. Yeah. No, it was really neat. I think uh that was obviously a, a, a super highlight for me, but the ultimate one that I got to do um, at, during that um, World Baseball Classic fan cave experience was mm-hmm. I got to meet um, Al Leiter and Candy Maldonado, both uh, 92 and then the 93 World Series winners with the Jays, and they let me wear their rings. 
Oh, and wow. that was uh, an all-time. So now I, I give them a shout-out for favorite players because the two of them let me wear it, uh, each of their rings. So that, that was an all-time highlight for me. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, so let's talk some board games. Before we get to talk about the games that you've designed or are still designing, anything you're particularly playing now during self-isolation period? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about other people, but for me, it's basically down to apps by myself, or mm -hmm. I've played a little bit over Zoom with mm -hmm. some friends. So uh, with Zoom, I feel like I'm kind of falling to the same two or three games. I play a lot of Just One from uh, Repos Games. Yep. That's a real easy one because everyone can even just like write on a piece of paper or, or whatever if they need to even if they don't own it. Uh, another one is Codenames by uh, Czech Games. That's been really fun over Zoom. And uh, probably uh, the other I'd mention, Roll and Writes are really handy over Zoom. So I've been playing a bunch of Welcome To, again, from Deep Water Games. And that's been, you can play with an unlimited amount of people with that game. So that that's worked really well. Oh, that's a great idea. I should try that because I have that and like uh, Nolan there at Deepwater gave me a bunch of the, uh, they're, I mean, I don't know if they're expansion packs, you know what I mean? The pads for additional yeah. like types of neighborhoods that all work with the same deck. That's such a great game. Uh, yeah. I didn't even think to do that. Cause I think of the more social games, right? Code names, or we were going to try, we haven't done it yet, but the new game from Ken Jennings and Richard Garfield, half truth. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can definitely do that over video conference very easily. As long as everyone can yep. see the, cause it's just one card and then everyone would have to make your own, I guess like your own tokens or something to say A through F, which answers you're giving, and that's it. It'd be very sure. easy. It's very social, and we found that I don't even like trivia-based games that much, but actually I found it was pretty smart and it moved really quickly. The yeah. only disadvantage for that, my my daughter, who you've met, um, she's 13, and there was just like a cultural literacy yep. issue. She was like, I don't know any of these movies. I'm like, yeah, because they're all 20 years well, older than you are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk about some of your games first. So Sagrada, I mentioned, I think that's that's your best game ever. And I don't think that's just my opinion. I think that seems to be the board game community's opinion too. And um, now you've expanded a couple of times. You've got the five to six player expansion too, which has the which I think is really great because of the dice drafting mechanism. But for folks nice. who've never seen this game, which is also a really beautiful game, it's a dice drafting game, which means you roll dice and then everyone is selecting dice from the pool based on color and face value. There is now a great app for it as well. I, I don't know, but I hope you like it, but I oh I love it. Dire Wolf did a fantastic job on that. Yeah, Dire Wolf did an incredible job. They I'm already a fan of a lot of their other apps, so I was really excited yeah, me too. to hear they were on top of it. And uh, I was I was blown away. I was even it was even better than I could have imagined. Yeah, I was really happy with. I thought the AI was pretty good too. For I mean, that's just a pro, that's one of the hardest things I think in programming games. And I love Direwolf, but when they put out the Raiders of the North Sea app, the original AI players were just not that great. But I thought in Sagrada yeah. they were pretty good. They were competitive at yeah. least from the start. Yeah, they did a really good job. I mean, I was already a fan of. I think they did the Lanterns and Lotus apps. They did. And I play those a lot, yeah. um, and I'm a big fan of those and. Uh, yeah, and they, they have some upcoming titles that I'm really excited about as well. So um, I'm really happy with it. Lanterns is, the Lanterns app is, it has some silly animations that I think are really great, though. Like, I get it. I'm yeah. still a sucker for that stuff. Totally. Yep. Now, are there, are there, did I see there's an expansion coming for Sagrada also? 
Is there another one in the pipeline? We have one that's actually at at the printers. It was obviously on hold for a, a little while because sure. of chaos going on, but uh, thankfully it's at the printers now, and that's going to introduce um, some new dice that are orange, and they don't have numbers on them. They have symbols, Ooh. so that's going to add some twists uh, to people's experience. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, and then, and it has a few other modular um, expansions in there. We've mixed in some extra goodies that people can shuffle in to their different, uh, you know, challenges and such and tools and a few new things there. And then um, the big thing that Adrian and I have been working on and are still working on finishing the design for is we're doing a, a Sagrada roll and color legacy game. A legacy version of Sagrada. So okay, yeah. give me some sense of how, So for folks, let me explain for listeners who don't know what a legacy game is. A legacy game changes each time you play it. So you are going to play it a fixed number of times, and you may be altering the game board or destroying certain components. Or I, I think the big appeal of legacy games is certain rules may change each time you play. Pandemic Legacy is probably the best known of these games, and each time you play Pandemic Legacy, at least season one, I have not tried season two, the game adds rules, most of which make your life much harder. Uh, <laughs> but that's fun, right? It makes the game more challenging. And if you really love the original game Pandemic, well, this adds new twists that you're still playing the same basic game, but it makes it a bit more challenging. Yeah, exactly. So for us, uh, we we kind of fell into this idea of what if we made kind of coloring books where then we could have different types of windows, different shapes, uh, different amounts of, uh, of areas you need to fill. And that just reopened the design in a lot of interesting ways. So kind of each game, everyone works on the same type of window in their coloring book. Each player has their own coloring book, but you progressively learn skills and gain tools and the windows get harder and some new rules get introduced as you work through the coloring book. And then the idea is that it's kind of your family lineage working through the, the hundred years plus that it's been taking to build the Sagrada. That sounds fantastic. I really am looking forward to that. Um, I know you got a couple other games potentially coming out this week, but I wanted to ask first about just during self-isolation too, what, what has this done to the design process? You always have a bunch of games in the works. I know this from talking to you and also from your profile on Board Game Geek, where you seem to have like 50 games in, in process <laughs> at any given time, which is awesome. But do you find it, you're, you know, you're home alone, our schedules are all thrown off. Like how, what has that done for your design process in terms of creativity or actually working through stuff with other people? Yeah, that's a great question. And I have found it's changed things pretty drastically. Uh, obviously, publishers are in a bit of a holding pattern. So, for example, things like pitching games and uh, kind of getting new games is kind of on hold as well. Even some games that were signed or delayed. Uh, but that has just given me a chance to kind of uh, refuel, to fill up the tanks. Uh, like my, I have a few like kind of journals that I write ideas down and um, I feel like I'm kind of filling those books up with new ideas. Um, I, I'm the type of designer that I like to get my designs in front of people as fast as possible and see play tests and, and see how people interact and reiterate as I see how people react. So that unfortunately means I'm kind of on hold and digital solutions don't really work that great for me because I'm more about that player interaction and just kind of more observing 
the player, but instead I'm using this as a time to maybe focus on the current games that I already have, make sure they're really developed, and really focus on kind of uh, brainstorming new ideas. And then when, uh, when we're able to get back into small groups, then I can start putting some games back on the table in front of my playtesters. Yeah, that's, I miss the, I'm not a designer, obviously just a player, but miss the social aspect too, that just get in yeah. front of people. And then obviously since I review games from time to time too, I like playing with new people and just getting their opinions on or what worked for you, what didn't. And I've learned too, just from even members of my extended family too, they have different things they actually care about. This one cares about art. This one cares about how easy the rules were to understand that, you know, this one cares about time between turns um, yeah. which is also true of every kid I've ever played the game with too, because they just sure. wander off or yeah, or my daughter's on her phone. Uh, she doesn't listen to the podcast, so I can say this stuff to her. <laughs> it's usually safe. So let's talk about the games you've got coming up. So one of them I got to see, and I know I can talk about, called Seven Summits, which I played a demo. Uh, my daughter and I both played with you at PAX Unplugged last year and really, really liked what we saw. So tell me about, tell the listeners about that game and what the potential timetable is for seeing it actually out in, in retail. Yeah, I'm really excited about that one. That one's signed with Deepwater Games, and it's a co-design. Adrian and I, we actually designed back around the same time as Sagrada. It kind of had some ups and downs, and it got signed and then released. And um, thankfully, in the long run, we're really grateful because um, finding its home with Deepwater and developing it with them has been really fun. Um, We even had uh, it go through some additional development just over the last few months. And that completed about a month ago. And uh, so now they're just in the process of getting final art done and getting it ready to go to the printer and start marketing it. So I don't know if it'll if it'll make it out for this Christmas or what the exact plan is, but I, I know they're they're ready with it and they're just trying to figure out what's the best way to, to release the game. It's a... Uh, I believe it plays up to five. Um, we'll see how they f- finish it because it could even theoretically play up to six players. But the idea is that it's two to five or two to six players and you're racing to climb the seven uh, highest summits or really the highest summit on each continent. And uh, and your goal is to race against the other players who have a team of seven climbers as well. And uh, through dice drafting, similar to Sagrada, but used in a new way, you're drafting those dice and using some special climbing tools along the way, but pushing your luck. And that's one of the biggest elements is pushing your luck against the weather elements. And if you want, uh, you can try to keep climbing certain mountains, but you may hit an avalanche or a storm. And so that's kind of the, the real fun element is, is how much do you want to push climbing those mountains? Yeah, that get, that was to me the most interesting element of it, and there were a couple of different scoring quirks. Right, the Mount Everest in the middle, you couldn't climb directly necessarily, so you would be taking a die from another mountain to potentially go even more all in on that central. It felt like the sort of the biggest gamble with the highest reward, which I also like because yeah. it's intuitive for people who aren't big board gamers, haven't played a lot. That would just make sense. The way you balanced risk and reward, I thought, was pretty intuitive. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. I know you also have a. Uh, a Batman Dark Knight Returns themed game coming. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. And this actually, it's funny, as we developed it, um, we realized um, 
in this time of being on our own and such that Batman is such a great story for an individual to really wrestle with. So the game is actually designed as a one player experience. Uh, we do have some ideas on how to bring in a friend or whatnot, but the, the core design is built around the idea of actually a one player game where you work through the Dark Knight Return story, uh, featuring Frank Miller art. And it's going to be published by Cryptozoic and, uh, I'm co-designing that with Morgan Donteville, and we're really excited because that that's actually been the the main game I've been focused on lately. Is uh, because it's one player, I can I can play test all the time. So I, I've been playing that a lot lately. <laughs> oh, that's yes, right. That works particularly well. Um, and I know at PAX Unplugged, you showed me a game that you're doing with Restoration Games, which brings back Restoration's a publisher that brings back old, long, out-of-print games with new graphics and sometimes some rules twists. I think Downforce is the best one they've brought back. But they did bring back Stop Thief, which was one of my childhood favorites, actually. So I'm a big fan of their work. Uh, I don't know how much you're able to say about that title, but please tell us what you can. First off, I'll give a shout-out for Stop Thief as well. That was one of my childhood favorite <laughs> games, and I, I, I think it's awesome. And I'm a real big fan of how Restoration is bringing back some games that have been forgotten. And, you know, adding some design to kind of modernize or tweak the games. And so, um, thankfully, they brought me on to work with um, a Wolfgang Kramer game. Uh, anyone in the board game community knows he's kind of a classic German designer, one of my favorites, uh, if not my favorite designer. And, and I'm working on a game that never really got a North American release. And it was called, in German, Alf Ausch. I'm sure I'm butchering how you say that, uh, but it basically meant trucker, and it won the, I believe, the 1986 Spiel des Jahres, mm -hmm. which is uh, an award for kind of like the best game of the year, and uh, I've been get getting to work on that, and the twist is that it's, a, it's still a trucker game, but now instead of a German map, it's a North American map, and it's not, uh, it's in the future, but it's not quite post-apocalyptic it's like pre-post-apocalyptic so things are getting <laughs> bad but they're not horrible yet we haven't turned violent but you know we need things like water and there's some black markets and unfortunately global warming has caused some of the shorelines to change and you're racing around trying to um maybe make some money and and try to ultimately score the most victory points Awesome. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I know it was like very, very early prototype, but I'm very excited to see that game. Uh, pickup and delivery games are, I mean, obviously there's a lot of them out there, but I can never seem to get enough of them. There's something about them that just works. Like it works for me yeah. mentally. They're just inherently fun. That's like right up my alley. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited about their developments as well, because working with them, we've really tried to add a little bit of narrative and a little bit of story. So the game and the board progresses and changes as you play. And so that every time you play, it'll be a different experience. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. Also, like replay value is big because these games can cost. They're not super expensive, but cost more, I think, than a lot of people expect. Like if all you really know is uh, Candyland and Sorry, you're probably sure. not. You're probably a little surprised when you see what Agricola costs or. Sure. Let's not even talk about what Gloomhaven costs, right? <laughs> <laughs> My guest today was Daryl Andrews. He's the designer. He's a board game designer. Sagrada is uh, probably the best known of his. He did Bosque. He did Orphan Black Clone Club, uh, which I just mentioned because I loved Orphan Black, the TV show. Yeah, I was a big fan. Hopefully see Seven Summits from him at some point later this year as well. Daryl, thank you so much for joining me. 
Ah, thanks for having me. Top performers in business and sports often attribute their success to their morning routine, whether it's waking up early, setting their goals for the day, exercise, or meditation. But not everyone has the time to do it all. With Hydrant, you can jumpstart your mornings. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc, help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There are no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code Keith, K-E-I-T-H, at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code Keith for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code K-E-I-T-H. Well, that's about all for the show this week. Uh, I do want to mention on The Athletic, I had just one new piece last week, which was the completion of my two-part series with Eno Saris, looking at scout the way scouts and analysts approach grading players, tools for position players. Last week's piece was on the four major pitch types and how uh, both scouts and analysts would look at command and control. Got a little bit of a break here in the content I'll have for The Athletic. I am going to turn my attention to the Major League Baseball draft pretty soon, possibly this week. We don't know when the draft is going to take place at this point. I have to say, might as well hold the draft soon. Um, Certainly no later than the original date because nobody's going to get to see players. There's not going to be a combine. There's not going to be showcases. This is it. We're going to have to go off what everybody saw last summer, last fall, and a little bit that scouts were able to see of players this spring. And while I know that's suboptimal, there is no justification for trying to get players together, particularly with scouts just to get one more look at all of these guys. So I say, let's go pick a date. Let's draft them. Most of these teams are probably ready to go. They're going to have to be comfortable with the information that they already have. And I'm not necessarily saying that selfishly, although it'd be nice to have more motivation and reason to write about the draft. But really, at this point, I don't know that there's any benefit potentially pushing the draft back because I just don't see any scenario where we're willing and able to get players together before at least July and maybe not at all this season. So let's get the draft going and and maybe give baseball fans something else to pay attention to while we wait for what we hope is an eventual return to the playing field at some point this summer. That's all for the show this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to share it with a friend or maybe leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really appreciate all of the help you can give us. Thanks so much. <laughs>